can't just sing Toto Africa the whole episode, right? We have to talk about yeah. things. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Dave. Thanks for joining Bob and I for our podcast, Thriving in Dystopia. And even though we always try and be professionals, sometimes we swear. So just know that going in. Bum, 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 Thanks for the instrumentals, Bob. Now it's clutch. Yes. I do what I can to get the bass guitar going. Felt good. Felt good to revisit Africa. Yeah, it's uh, man, where did that song even come from? What does it even mean? You know? <laughs> yeah, it's I don't even want to know. You know? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, good to see you, Bob. Well, yeah, we're great I, to be here. I can't see you. I never see you. I don't know why I said that. Good to hear you, Bob. Yeah, I can, you can almost feel like you can see me or me see you. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the big illusion, isn't it? It, it is. Yeah. Well, Dave, my God, it's been such a week. I, I'd love to hear a little bit about, yeah, how teaching's going for you and, and then other things that you don't get a chance to share, you know, other parts of your life that you don't get to share very much. Yeah. Um, well, I'd say the big thing was I did back to school night tonight, virtual back to school night before I got on the old podcast with you. And it was fun to try and keep, we were trying to connect as much with parents, kids, and teachers, and just have this big old community vibe, which felt really nice. And the highlight, of course, was playing a game called Lip Sync, where everybody turns, or the person who's giving the clue turns off their microphone and mouths the word on the camera. And it was just fun to see like staff and parents all laughing and one of the real hard ones was lizard and we just had this dad and son that were just trying to say lizard over and over again. It was hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's just been a wild week weather wise here. Fort Collins mm. had this like record high, uh, not record high, but really it was like 98 degrees. And then the next day it had this drop of 53 degrees and it turned from, like so i went on a run in a tank top and then the next day it was snowing and we got six inches of snow on the ground oh that's so wild that's wild yeah how did it feel to live through that yeah and you know on top of all that it we had this suit we had this super epic forest fire going on so Mm. i know we're like in this really strange connection um, through our separation and mm. like it, like I walked outside and I could like, if I put my hand out, it was just like collecting ash in the hand. Um, and there was this weird red glow. It kind of felt like we were in mortar Mordor in Lord of the Rings where like ash is just falling on the ground. And like all my chickens were just like covered in soot. Oh no. Uh, yeah. And then through all of that, like we get this ridiculous snowstorm. So yeah, it's been a weird week for sure. Did the snow 
help contain the forest fire? Oh, I wish I, I wish I had more information on that. I was thinking about looking it up, but, um, I have no idea. I am like, Mm -hmm. so, um, I just had a rough week sleep wise and yeah, I have been very disconnected from the world, the greater world. So yeah, as we talked about last week, like having that physical or visceral effect of like shocking you back into the present, it definitely was a week where I was like in the present moment a little bit. And that was, that felt good to me, but also like, whoa, I am being shocked right into the moment that we are living right now, you know? And by that, you mean the, the weather did that to you? Or do you mean your work does that to you all the time? Ooh, um. Yeah, a little bit of both those two, but I, I I was mostly referring to the fact that like I'm like catching snow and soot in my hands as I'm stepping outside, and like it's like this weird white and red glow happening. Um, just like here we are, we're in this moment, and you can't ignore what's happening. Yeah, and I feel like right. a few weeks ago you talked about the apocalypse on top of the apocalypse, yes. and I feel like that it makes everything feel a little bit more real, doesn't it? It, it does feel very real where we can't just sing Toto Africa the whole episode, right? We have to talk about yeah. things. Yeah. I did want to say one thing real quick, Bob. I You got me into this uh, mostly because we don't have a tuned in section, but one of my saving graces this week has been watching a YouTube channel called Foolish Baseball. Oh, great. Yeah. And I ended up just binging it and just like, it's just so good to see like stats up on the screen and like watch episodes of why Pedro Martinez had a brilliant 2000 season or why, uh, what was another good one? Uh, Barry Bonds, like four most meaningful at bats or Justin Verlander's perfect, um, pitched inning (laughs) against that old Cleveland baseball team. Oh my God. I feel like it's so hilarious. Every episode, there's like a, some reference to the Cleveland baseball team. Um, (laughs) Who, who the host has been calling the Cleveland Spiders, which is great. Yeah, the host is really good. He's on it. Yeah. 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 What about you, Bob? Will you tell me a little bit about what's happening in your neck? Yeah. Just your neck, not your neck of the woods. Uh, well, I've got hives on my neck right now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I So you, California in our the Bay Area had a, a weird similar situation to you, but we had... Like n- n- the wildfires here are contained yet we woke up and it was like very orange out and it was, or- it's been orange for the last three days. And we're being told what this is, is wildfires in Northern California are like the smokes in the stratosphere and it's blocking out or changing the color of the sun. So yeah, it also feels apocalyptic here um, without the soot falling. And that's been, I don't know. I think that's been hard on folks. Um, I'd say it's been hard on me. I, I love seeing the sun. So it's hard to, you know, just try to keep on doing things. And I, I guess one thing that I continue to be excited about, but don't, quite feel I have it ready yet is, you know, influenced by those baseball bits that you you were talking about. I want to put together a fun 
little video series on like key questions and um, perspectives within anarchism or from anarchist perspectives um, on the world. You know, just short ones, but I, there's actually a lot to learn about graphic design and you sent me a graphic uh, constructing software program and I'm working on that. Just a lot to bring together, but I've been working on that and I think it's, the ideas I have are great, but just making it happen, it feels like a little bit beyond what I can do. Although hopefully if I keep my, my nose to the grindstone, I'll, I'll, I'll produce some videos. Yeah, that'd be sweet. I'd love yeah. to, yeah, I love the feeling that this is like a, seems to be a new trend where there's this type of art that's called eight bit or 16 bit art where everything mm-hmm. becomes pixelated and it gives this uh, like a really 1980s feel to it. And when you brought attention to it to me, I was like, yeah, I've been noticing that a lot recently too. Um, but I do like that feeling. And like, I think there's a sort certain cuteness to the characters that you can create with yeah, pixelated exactly. art. And I feel like it, it lends a vibe, especially like it's okay for baseball. I like it. And, um, but it feels a little bit like a video game, but I really like the idea of taking something serious, like um, just like activism in the, in 2020 and taking that and making it feel a little bit like a video game. It feels like it could be a little dystopian, um, you know, and like having this pixelated art, making it look a little cute that could make it feel approachable in some ways, but also like, it just like calls, calls attention to the ridiculousness of like what, what's happening. So I think that there's like real potential there and I wish I had a little more time to help you. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe some of our listeners do. I'll, I'll name, I'm, I'm on that path that you just described. I want to make two characters who sort of talk about these topics and, you know, like one character, kind of like a puppet show, you know, like, Hey, what's this? And then the other character is like, yeah, it's like this. And one of my characters is a prairie dog named Peppy. And the other character is a raccoon named Sparkle. And I think those could be like these cute characters to take us on this journey, but it's just going to take me a while to know how to make those things. So if any of our listeners could help me, send me a, send me a line. What do you think of the word trash panda for raccoons? Oh, huh. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> Did you know there's a minor league team called the Trash Pandas? I didn't know that. And it's a reference to raccoons? Yeah, I think so. But I I don't really understand it, but I kind of love it. <laughs> Anyways, sorry. <laughs> don't, don't mean to, to catch, you, catch you in your craw, you know? No worries, Dave. Yeah. Um, uh, it will... I'll try to integrate that at some point, Dave. Maybe a dumpster diving episode. Yeah, there you go, Bob. Uh, nice. Well, I'm glad to hear those check-ins. And yeah, I'm also interested to see where tonight's topic takes us. I could introduce it. It's something that I was thinking about the last two weeks have been a bit of a mini-series within the separation theme we worked with letting go in week one, and last week we worked with forgiveness. And so another subtopic related to these 
which can maybe sort of finish off this mini series is the idea of moving on. So, um, sometimes we're able to let go and then move on. Other times we can forgive and then move on. And I'm actually interested in exploring what if we can't do either of those things, the letting go and the forgiving, can we still move on? Is there a way to keep taking steps forward when we don't have the closure of what's, what's happened? So I think that does feel necessary because I feel like there's times where it's hard to let go of something or even if we can let go a little bit, you know, like loosen the grip, it's still there. And maybe we cannot forgive the, the person or what's happened. But I do think it's important to continue to move on and, and yeah, not get stuck even if we can't do these other things. Because we've talked about last week that forgiveness can't always happen. So, but I, I don't want to imply that people, you know, that that's a dead end. I think that there are ways to keep moving forward. So, yeah, I will maybe kick it over to you, Dave. I have some ideas around this, but I'm curious about how this all plays with you. Yeah, I think as, you know, I first sort of try and wrap my head around this, um, there's this idea and it kind of permeates through all of culture, but I'll take a sort of like Judeo-Christian lens to it where like a lot of religions end up preaching that like you have to forgive no matter what sort of like, it's almost like God-like, right? It's that idea of yeah. becoming, becoming a God is to forgive. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, after last week's episode, our mom sent us an email and I just started laughing because I think the, in the email, it says Jesus forgave 70 times 70 or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I just was laughing a little bit because I feel like as a math teacher, I feel like that's a really approachable number to like <laughs> to wrap my head around, you know, 70 times 70 is 4,900. And I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. So that he gave 4,900%. Um, <laughs> but like, I also am like, Oh yeah. Isn't that funny? Like math back in the day when you like, yeah, 70 times 70, that's like in- infinite, you know? Yes. And I, <laughs> anyways, that's a total digression, but I do think that there is this idea that like forgiving infinite is this, this thing that is God godly. And I think that after last week, I feel like we are human and to be human, we came to this conclusion that like forcing forgiveness is never a good thing or being forced into forgiving is like always going to be detrimental and it's not going to be helpful in the restorative justice sense of the word. But I also feel that we know a little bit more this idea of meeting these social conditions that need to be met before forgiveness can happen. And I feel like that feels way more authentic and true to me. And that was like a big epiphany I had last week as we were talking, Bob, 
Oh, nice. I feel like, and I feel like, yeah. And this whole, like this whole series has been like on air epiphanies, which has felt really good to me. And yeah. So like, I guess what I'm trying to get after is like, I almost think, yes, we are human and we need to be in this realm of knowing that like, we can't always forgive. And there's things that are unforgivable. And that's like a word that was kind of coming up for me is like, there's, there's times where there's actions that are unforgivable, but does that mean that the pain and the suffering needs to be held onto because it's unforgivable? And like, how can we take that, these moments and try and move towards peace and move on. Like you said. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot there that I think you gave us to unpack. And I appreciate that. I, I'd love to have mom on the show again, because her perspectives on forgiveness, I know we both value quite a bit. And one thing that she brought in that I, I very much agree with is the, the definite value of forgiving ourselves that, um, there's ways that I think we get trapped in shame and guilt and that, you know, we keep on reliving certain errors or certain abuses that maybe we've done um, simply because we haven't forgiven ourselves in order to take the steps towards, you know, accountability or, or restorative justice. So I, I do think that's an important part of all this um, that we didn't quite get into last week, like self-forgiveness. Um, and then the topic of like, yeah, unforgivable. I, I think that's really resonates with me in season one. I talked about reading this book called beyond survival strategies and stories from the transformative justice movement. And yeah, I want to bring in a topic or a a story because I think it's helpful from one of the chapters. And I I will give a content warning that I be talking about uh, sexual assault. And this chapter is, written by Amita Swadin. It's chapter seven, Transforming Family. And so Amita talks about um, her father being um, a sexual abuser of her and, and others. And she very much, and then her father like leaves her family and then starts another family. And then Amita finds out about this and then finds out that she has a younger sister and, and is like the tension of this chapter is whether or not she should tell this other like half sister that she's never met about her abusive father. And, um, so first of all, I think she's pretty clear that she never forgave her father and that's like not a problem for her. Like, that the issue is like, can she move to a place of reaching out to this other half sister who she doesn't know? And so I think maybe if she got trapped in trying to forgive her father, 
she wouldn't have done it, but she was pretty clear, like, no, he abused me. And he's like, for years and years, what I need is to like, I, I guess something like forgive myself in order to, to reach out to the, the half sister. And she does, and she makes a great connection and she's able to give her half sister power because her father abused her too. Um, so I, I guess when I was reading it, I was like, yes, yeah, she moved on. She, she didn't get trapped. She took this like very courageous move and reached out, but she didn't forgive her father. Like that wasn't a part of it. Um, I think maybe she, she did forgive herself, but that was a good yeah, story for me around moving on has to do with not necessarily, you know, anything with this other person, but it's all like just her own process. Whew, nice, Bob. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that feels like at the heart of what we're trying to get after today. That feels really good to me to hear that story and you told it real well. Oh, thank you. Real good. Real good there, Bob. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I guess one of my questions that was coming up for me is, is there not that necessarily have you been in that similar situation, but have you found yourself in a situation where you feel like you can't forgive somebody else or like you've like, can't you like are in a, a spot that's like, you need to move on, but you can't you don't want to forgive or you can't forgive or, and you don't want to just forget about it. You don't want to just like push the feelings down. Um, but you want to find a way of moving on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean like great question. And actually when I was thinking about the theme, I didn't actually quite bring it to myself. And so I appreciate you asking me like, uh, is there, have there been actions done to me that, I haven't forgiven the person or the action. Yeah. And it, if that's the case, if there is that, then have you been able to move on or have you just like pushed down those feelings or have you like um, come to a better resolution where you're able to move on? Does that make sense? And that's, a, yeah. uh, I guess that's also a question for the listeners out there. Mm-hmm. I know as you're listening to this, I'm just curious because I think it's really important to find these moments of self-reflection. It is. Yeah. I, what comes to me more quickly and more, you know, highlighted in my own memory, I don't like have the sense that people have wronged me and I need to forgive them. I think mm, a lot of my stuff is things that I've done and like things that I feel guilty around and needing to, I think basically like work on the question, like, do I need to reach out to people and name that I want to be accountable? You know, it's like, I think people do this where they say like, yeah, I did some things in the past and I need to have someone forgive me. And I think that's, that's wrong. I think like seeking absolution for past transgressions. I think that's selfish. Um, I think maybe it's, it could be valuable to like, say like, Hey, I, I did this thing and I want to be accountable. 
in any ways to you. Um, and I don't think we have the time to get into that in the next few minutes, but I, I have, I think done that and that's worked in some times, like with some things in my life. Um, I guess I will say that like the things that I have guilt around or shame, I do continue to work on those things in, in ways that I try not to lose myself to the guilt, but say like, what can I learn to be a better person and to move forward? So I think I do take that, like, I want to move with this. I don't want to like completely separate myself from it, but I want to, I don't want it to own me. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I like that idea of like how to reach out in a way that isn't selfish, but Mm -hmm. I think it is important too. um, when, when you know that there's been some wrong that's been done or when you have this, when you have this feeling that you're like holding on to, but like you're trying to work through it. But I think it's also nice. This idea of reaching out can kind of help create one of those social conditions you talked about last week of like, Mm -hmm acknowledging pain caused right yeah which is an important thing to acknowledge for for us to be able to come to uh to create those that ideal forgiveness moment um so yeah like it's a really fine line to walk of like am i reaching out to absolve myself of my own guilt so I can move on or am I reaching out to create a condition where um, I can uh, to help, help a person like create to restore a relationship, you know, use coming back to that idea of transformative and restorative justice to have that restoration yeah. moment, you know, I think that's exactly where my mind went to. If like the next step is like the person who you know, in this hypothetical, we're, we're reaching back to if they, you know, they should have the power to do whatever they want with it. And one of the things that I think would be great is it, if there's like a possibility for restorative circles to happen, right. You know, in our culture, like we don't think of that. We're not trained or again, like you mentioned, we don't have the skills or even the like thinking to, to have a circle, but I think that would be great. Like maybe the person's like, Maybe they're like, oh, yeah, like I got over it. No worries. I mean, that could be one thing. Another one could be like, I hear you, but I don't want to talk about it. And then Mm -hmm. a a third could be like, yeah, thank you for saying that. I'd like to engage this further in a restorative circle or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I feel like going back again to like the idea of what we're teaching and how we're teaching forgiveness and how we're teaching um, this idea of letting go. It's like, we are teaching all the wrong things. You know, we're teaching like that. What you said just now was, Oh yeah, it's, it's okay, man. Like I, I got over it. You know, doesn't that feel like we've heard that a million times from a hundred different people, you know, that feels like the message of what we're supposed to say. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. It's, like, it's like drilled into us from like kindergarten, preschool, you know, like this is what you do. This is how you like forgive. And then you're supposed to say it's okay. And we move on, you know, and it's like, but that is like not 
that's not moving on. We're just drilling this message of burying, bear, bear, burying, burying our feelings. Sorry. Um, and yeah, and it feels so inauthentic. And I feel like as I'm hearing you say that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've said that and I want to move away from that. But it's like it's so deep in me. And I'm like, if we could if rather than if we teach this like forced apology, if we're teaching like what restorative circles look like, that is the power right there. And that is like how we can find these moments of resolution and restoration. Yeah, I I'm just so interested in the circles since you brought them. I mean, I've heard about them here and there. And I, I think there's so much hope in them. You know, when I have some of the groups I'm a, I'm a part of, our meetings kind of sometimes feel like circles and, you know, there's process and, and it's been really healing and like skill building for me. I'm, I'm wondering if you know, like, I think the challenge is like, can circles deal with like really hard feelings that are coming up for a lot of people, you know, like maybe everyone in the circle is having real hard feelings coming up and that. I think that's why we, at least myself turn away from, you know, dealing with them. Um, not only my feelings, but then, you know, I'm worried that my feelings might trigger someone else's feelings. And so it's easier just to say like, ah, yeah, I'm over it, you know, when maybe I'm not. Well, another thing that's coming up for me, Bob, is this thought of where, like, I like to take a personal lens to some of these feelings, and I like to take a, like, global lens. Totally. And one of this, this idea that's coming up for me right now is, like, where, like, how does society treat this unforgivable this like this individual that is deemed unforgivable. And I feel like one of the things that I am like, just want to like call the light is I feel like the message that we get is a, is the message that society is going to take unforgivable people and remove them from society. Meaning it's going to basically, if you do an act of aggression that is so, like so heinous, then you're going to get removed from our society and you're going to be put in prison. Right. And that's like the, the normal, that's the narrative that we are told, right. That prisons and jails are for unforgivable people. And I feel like that is just a message that is just filled with, that is like fueling the, the prison industrial complex. And I feel like really what that's not, that is not what's happening. That is not what prison and jails are for. Prison and jails are part of this new Jim Crow of creating, uh, like creating a population of basically enslaved people. Right. And it's, I mean, I, I know that our listeners know this, you know, I know that people that have been listening to this show have at least heard of Michelle Alexander and have sort of, taken at least watch a ted talk on her and like seen her on a show here or there but it's like so i'm not going to get into too much of the nitty-gritty details but i feel like this week i heard a story um julie was telling me a story about how 
in California, the vast majority or half the firefighters are come from prisons and they're mm-hmm. paid like ridiculously low wages, something like $5 a day. Um, but it's a way for them to get trained and to like feel productive and to help out. And it's like, it's been a really good program all in all. Um, but yeah, they're getting paid slave wages. The prisoners that are volunteering and like probably wanting to do this job. And then, so this year COVID has like made it. So a lot of prisons, um, like, uh, I don't know quite what the word is, but they like set, set a lot of prisoners free, I guess. Um, and I know that a lot of, a lot of the fires in California that have typically been fought by prisoners are not because they don't have enough people that are volunteering to fight the fires. And then a lot of the prisoners that got released, they can't, they're not going to pay them the actual wages because they have a criminal record and they don't have the money to pay these prisoners that have great firefighting experience. And I feel like that is just such a travesty. And like when we go back and we look at this lens of like that prisons are really what they're really there for is to create basically to create a caste system, to create an enslaved population and to make it so, yeah, we are living, we're just living this lie. And I feel like prisons are the, the message we're told is that's where unforgivable people go and really the truth is is there are more rapists and murderers that are outside of prison right now that have been that are still like never set foot in a jail you know i yeah oh yeah so part of the reason that there is less um like imprisoned firefighters uh incarcerated firefighters is because they have covid because it's awful conditions in prisons. And so I, I think while you're talking, I had a little bit of an insight as well that I don't know if this is coherent, but I'm going to say that in our society, we don't teach skills around apologies accountability, restorative circles, and forgiveness. And so people learn to do things, feel shame and guilt, and then like do bad things or like things that hurt other people. And then, then do them again, because there's no way to like restore on, on any of the sides, like the, the offender or the, the survivor doesn't have the means. Um, and instead all the means are in the criminal justice system. And so because we can't deal with this, um, cause we're not, we don't have the tools. We rely on the criminal justice system that very much, as you said, relies on this notion of unforgivableness. So you know, early in the episode, I was saying like, sometimes we need to move on without forgiving. And I would like to say, I do think that's still true. However, I would always like restoration. I would, I would love forgiveness to happen if it can. However, I think we've been robbed of 
opportunities um or like in some cases like the the story from brute beyond survival that sometimes it is for forgiveness can't come and there's still is need to move on and that needs to be okay in some cases Mm. yeah oh man bob well yeah i feel like i don't know i'm curious how this is playing with the people out there with the listeners but it's played really well with me and i feel like this miniseries has kind of delved deep into a lot of the realms that yeah you and i are comfortable going to but it's not definitely our wheelhouse and i'm hoping i'm hoping at the very least that well really it's been really powerful for me so that feels good because i feel like i've gotten some new perspectives on on the world and my world and how i want to interact with it a little bit more um and i don't i don't know exactly what i'm going to hold on to but i feel like there's been some really great moments here on this let's just call it the forgiveness miniseries inside the miniseries <laughs> yeah it it's like i'm thinking like mm, these are important and challenging topics and I'm like, do our listeners really want to hear this from me and you? Like, like you said, like we're like far from experts at this, and like anything we say should be taken with a massive grain of salt. You know, we're still just working, yeah. working, working on these questions ourselves. But I, I guess I feel like the people that are listening to this show are probably in a similar spot to us, mm-hmm. and maybe we're not quite gonna like. I don't know. Maybe they can identify more with the discussion we're having rather than feel like they're being taught. Yeah. I feel like one of, yeah, that's like, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe that there will be something good that comes of this. I, I don't know exactly, but um, yeah, I think the, at the very least, I think them, the listeners out there for letting us have this discussion and kind of coming down this path with us. Cause I feel like, it's brought to light this idea of what, how to be a sort of more, ah, just more complete person and how to find some of those, those skill gaps that we're missing and to mm-hmm. take those skill gaps and try and like fill them in and create some of the skills that we need to have in ourselves and in our society. Because I think we've, it's definitely like, I wanted to say at one point, I'm like, man, we are just in a sick, sick society. It's yeah. just like, there's so much that needs to happen. And I mean, it's just like a piece of the puzzle, but like, man, if we had a little bit more intentionality and in how we're being taught how to forgive and how to have converse, difficult conversations, it could go a long way. Yeah. And I know there's you and actually a number of our other listeners are teachers and that feels like, oh, great. Like there's, there's some, some of y'all working on it out there and it's, it's, yeah, I really appreciate everything you said, Dave, and that you're integrating this, like, for lack of a better word, on the front lines, you know, like putting, putting this into play. And there's, yeah, I want, want to say one more thing that we are facing catastrophe after catastrophe, and it's, it's so real. And that's, that's really hard. But there's also, 
you know, part of my research has turned to Generation Z and gosh, it's like it, Generation Z is is doing some amazing things and um and just yeah, and millennials as well, there's 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 possibilities for transformation and I don't want us to ever lose track of that and um I'll just mention I'm reading this book that says that Generation Z is not really interested in you know doing this quote unquote community service that older generations do. They want to get out there in the world and make structural system transformations. And when I, when I read that, I was like, wow, that's that's profound. And that's that's unique because um actually generation Xers, myself, my generation, um, and older parts of that generation voted for Reagan back in the 80s. So the younger generations have come a long ways since then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you were eight years old when you voted for Reagan, Bob? Oh, no, I'm the, I'm like at the very end of Generation X, but like yeah. the people who are at the beginning of Generation X. Oh, uh, okay. They got, they got Reagan. Like 15 years older than me. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. What generation am I? Uh, you're a millennial. Oh, God damn. Yep. Just made it in. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> I think the the year is 1981 from Generation X to Millennials. Okay, there you go. Yep. Um, well, Bob, I think it's time. Um, yep. It's time for me to get you on that hot seat. Oh, uh, please. Yep. Wa- watch, watch the flail happen. <laughs> No, First just guess, best guess. <laughs> yeah, go with that gut. All right, Bob, without further ado, I want to know if you could meet and have dinner with any person who ever lived, who would it be and why? Ooh, that's good. Okay, I'm going to go with Ida B. Wells. Do you know who that is? Um, yep. She's uh, <laughs> Yeah, but um, you, could you explain her anyways? Yeah, she's a anti-lynching activist and journalist in the turn of the 20th century and, you know, um, from the 1900s to the 20th century. And she was someone who we should be talking about more. And I want to talk with her because I'm curious about, I mean, she was constantly under death threats and the things she was fighting against we're still fighting and she was one of the first to actually fight against lynching and so I'm, i want to know what that was like and hmm. she had a like prolific career doing this so she was also she knew how to survive and I, I would say thrive in the face of you know horrors and oppression so yeah she's the one who came to mind sweet thanks bob yeah good work did it again um yeah and i also am just want to give a quick shout out to the fact that next week we're gonna be sort of thrown back to the roots a little bit and we're gonna have a guest on and we're gonna be talking about dystopias and separation and movies and it's gonna be a good one um i'm not gonna give too many spoilers though yes good dave Good. But Perfect. I feel like it, it's it's going to break us out in a good way, and I think it's going to break us into a just um, kind of an uplifting way. I'm super excited about it, and yeah. So tune in next week. 
because it's going to be a it's going to be a doozy of a show. <laughs> a little bit of Groundhog Day there. Yeah. Well, Dave, I'll give us the contact. Give us give our listeners our contact information. Email Dave Peachtree at gmail.com. Twitter at B Maze 19, B M A Z E 19. Instagram, thriving underscore in underscore dystopia. And our website, thrivingindystopia.com. Love it. Love it, Bob. Well, thanks for this journey together, Bob. And yeah, excited to move on to the next thing. Cue that beautiful outro music whatever it may be and Julie's beautiful narration yeah (laughs) love you Bob love you what's up driving crew Bob and Dave want to take a second to thank you for lending them your ears they also want to thank the artists for making everything a little more beautiful the intro song is in heaven by Drake Stafford our audio is edited by the consummate and dexterous Nadir Chayetch web design by Chris the Mixer Sawyer and of course Visual art is by the prolific and enigmatic Joe Shine. Finally, the new outro song is today's special, Jam Tomorrow by Dr. Turtle. Have a good week and see you next Tuesday. Bye.